This week on the Baseline Podcast, Josh and I welcome back two guests, David Cohn and Chris Drew, and it is the biggest episode ever of the Baseline Podcast. We break down the game between Michigan and Ohio State. We get the Michigan perspective from David Cohn and the Ohio State perspective from Chris Drew, and then we sum it all up together, and it's going to be a great, great ride. All that and so much more coming up on the Baseline Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Baseline Podcast, episode 66 and it's the week of the game. And of course, that means we're not going to have one, but we're having two guests this week. And mm. it's going to be a crazy episode. We have the one and only David Cohn from the Crane Company back with us. The the better of the three. I, I don't know. I, I say that with everyone, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Uh, but he is back with us. We'll have Chris Jew later on in the show. So, uh, David, welcome back. And uh, I'm glad you're here with us. Fellas, I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me back. Let's make episode 66 the greatest episode in the history of this show. That's you know the what? plan, man. The plan. We, I mean, everything we got planned, this is the game. There's no other rivalry in college football called the game. You got your Iron Bowl, you got your Egg Bowl, like your Civil War, your Red River shootout, but everybody knows what the game is. Yes. So we got big plans for that today uh, and big guests, including yourself, sir. So thank you for coming on. I know when you uh, joined us initially, you were talking about coming back, so I'm glad we were able to make this happen. You had high expectations for Michigan this season, a little bit maybe higher than uh, what we had and uh, what our other uh, guests have had so now that michigan's on defeat at this point in the season david describe what it's been like being a michigan fan watching uh these games these last several weeks yeah 11 and 0 i mean you don't just you know you don't just uh luck your way to winning 11 straight games <laughs> looks like um <clears throat> we're gonna have an undefeated michigan and ohio matchup for the first time since 2006 which was my freshman year i got to be a part of that unbelievable run You're so old. look it's the best <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I don't even, wow. All right. Interview over now. I'm just going to go, just going to go away. Um, but no, seriously. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best week of the year, boys. I mean, we got Thanksgiving Thursday, my mom's yeah. birthday, Friday, Michigan, Ooh. Ohio, Saturday. I mean, what else do you want for a week? So uh, as far as Michigan season, yeah, I mean, 11 and 0, but uh, again, everything comes down to this week, beat Ohio, or you can't accomplish anything else. You know, I said this last year when, uh, when we were looking at Jim Harbaugh losing, what was it? Seven straight. Yeah. Um, and, and I said, look, everything you want goes through Ohio. Unless you beat the Buckeyes, you can't win the division. Unless you win the division, you can't win the conference. And unless you win the conference, you can't make it to the college football playoff. And look what happened last year. Look what happened last year. You finally beat your biggest rival. Jim Harbaugh had not beaten Urban Meyer. You finally beat your biggest rival. And all of the rest of those things happened. You won the division, you won the conference, you made the college football playoff. Now, it, you know, it, it didn't have a completely happy ending because the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs were pretty good last season and, uh, <laughs> you know, ran us out of there. But yeah, and then a tumultuous offseason. You know, you're replacing both coordinators. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is again flirting with the NFL. Did, was he, did he get off for the Minnesota Vikings job? Did he not? You know, what was going to happen there? It was on signing day. Uh, you know, you're losing Aiden Hutchinson, uh, number two overall pick. You're losing a Jabo on the other end of that defensive line, Dax Hill goes to the league. Uh, you know, there was a lot of question marks. Then all of a sudden uh, coming out of fall camp, it's like, well, who's going to start at quarterback. Now I've all, I said throughout this process is it's better to have two really good quarterbacks. And that's why you have a quarterback controversy than to have two bad quarterbacks or two mediocre quarterbacks. And for some reason, that's why you have a quarterback controversy. I think Cade McNamara would have gotten the job done for us this year. JJ McCarthy still has not played his best football game. So if you're a Michigan fan right now, 
now and you sit here 11 and 0 and your starting quarterback who has all this upside stealing still hasn't played his best football game you have to be ecstatic obviously the only thing that's putting a damper on this week is is Blake Corum's health uh he did come out yesterday after yeah. the first half injury he uh he had one carry in the second half there still got five yards um now I'm hearing that there's no structural damage in the knee which is a good sign at the same time, whenever you take a hit like that and your first instinct is to drop the football when you never fumble and reach for your knee, look, it's quite possible he doesn't play this next week. It's quite possible that he's out for the season. Uh, if you guys have heard anything, feel free to chime in and let me know. But I've at least heard that there's no structural damage. I haven't heard anything either, but I was just thinking like, okay, if Blake can't play, I know Donovan Edwards has been banged up too, and he didn't play Saturday either. So that running back position could be uh, really – big thing yeah big issue for a team that likes to run first it's mm -hmm. interesting it's interesting too david because ohio state's going through the same same struggles because you know you had my williams who had a heck of a yeah. game last week against indiana goes out after the first half at 15 carries 100 and 147 yards and then this week travion henderson we were told was good to go which mm -hmm. That's more of Travion Henderson saying, hey, I'm tired of sitting on the bench. I want to play. And we saw that he just wasn't healthy. Dallin Hayden, by the way, has secretly the last like three games ran for 100 yards apiece, which I just think is funny. And we have Xavier Johnson, who's a wide receiver being the backup. So it'd be really funny to see a high state Michigan game and to see <laughs> to see like maybe the third string running backs when this was everyone was talking about. I was just thinking year. about it. It's I was just thinking about that before I came on. We may see a situation where two undefeated teams with a chance to go to the conference championship and, and go to the college football playoff are both starting their third string running backs. And if that happens, you have to give the edge to the Buckeyes in that case. I mean, you're talking about Dallin Hayden. All he did as a true freshman was come in yesterday and go for what? 146, three yeah. touchdowns, something like that. So uh, I've been saying uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, that Michigan is one Blake Corum injury away from being, you know, an above average good football team, not in an 11 and 0 football team. And some people pushed back and said, well, with this offensive line, there's a number of great running backs that could run behind this line of scrimmage. I think you saw yesterday against Illinois uh, that that is not necessarily the case. Now, with Donovan Edwards out too, Michigan's backup running back, sure, I think he could have stepped in and had a little bit more success. But I think there was this, um, there was a little bit of panic uh, in. In that game against Illinois when Blake Corum went out, not only because he's such a great player, but he's the leader of the team. That's the heart and soul of your team. Yeah. And that's your identity. Now, before the season, I didn't think Blake Corum would be in the Heisman conversation in week 11. I didn't think that he would come in and just, you know, be able to replace Hassan Haskins so easily, but he is truly an incredible running back. And that's the identity of this team is to run first. So if, if, if Michigan's down to a third string running back and Ohio's down to a third string running back, I think Think the Buckeyes would certainly like their chances in that. Mm, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I, I would like my chances. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one other thing too, David. Uh, we were wondering if uh, Michigan and Ohio State uh, might be looking ahead this weekend, and I mean, both kind of struggled. Ohio State for the most of the Maryland game. Michigan, I mean, you could chop that up to Blake Corn being out, but Illinois gave him a heck of a game. And I think one thing people were forgetting too, is like Illinois still has a lot to play for this year. They want to yeah. make that or that big 10 uh, championship game out in the West. And I mean, 
I'm not surprised that they gave Michigan everything that they could handle. But uh, one other thing, too, is uh, Illinois' pasty. I mean, it looked kind of legit. You mentioned J.J. not playing his best football, whether that's just uh, him being inaccurate at times or maybe his receivers not helping him out a little bit. Uh, did uh, the Michigan pass game uh, give you anything you liked yesterday in the absence of Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards? Uh, no, but let me get to the uh, first question first um, sure. uh, as it relates to looking past Illinois and Maryland, respectively, for these two teams. As intense as the Wolverines and Buckeyes rivalry is, and this week is just different, guys. Like it, it was different in the locker room every day that you go in there as a player. It's going to be different for me. I'm you, 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 You're calling me old. I'm, what, 15 <laughs> years removed from that <laughs> freshman year and a good 12 years removed from my senior year. I'm going to have trouble sleeping this week. That's how much that rivalry means. So when you have a rivalry that's that intense and you could meet undefeated for the first time in in uh, 40, 16 50, years, 50, yes, yeah. yes. Yes, it's uh, of course it's easy to look past uh, look past a game and, and you have a trap situation the week before, but and we talked about this. We dedicated an entire episode last week talking about these trap games, and I said neither of these teams should be looking past their opponents. And you can tell an eighteen to twenty two year old kid how good Illinois is and how they are on the cusp of winning the Big Ten West, or you can tell a you know you can show footage of of Mike Loxley's offense and young uh, Tolua Tagovailoa and how lethal they can be to a Buckeyes team uh, you can do all that but still it's it, it is it is easy to look past these opponents at the same time I just want to say I felt like watching both football games I felt I felt like that Maryland and Illinois came in there and just played great football. Yes. It didn't seem like a situation to me where, oh, it was it was so sloppy on, on one side or, you know, this team looked like they were looking past. I mean, Illinois came in and punched Michigan in the face other than that first drive. And then, and then uh, Jake asked me today on our college football recap, was I surprised to see what Maryland was able to do in the past game against the Buckeyes? I said, no, I watched them do it for the entire Michigan game except the very, very beginning and the very, very end. Michigan beat Maryland at the beginning of the game and the end of the game. All in the middle there, Maryland played great football. And there was a lot of Buckeyes fans laughing. Ha, Michigan only beat uh, Michigan only beat Maryland by seven points. This is a three-point game yesterday. Three-point yeah. game yesterday with 40 seconds to go. But I will say this about the Buckeyes. Three-point game with 40-something seconds. They still find a way to win by double digits like they have every game this season. Ben, that is an incredible I, stat, my I, I'll friend. say this. I'll say this. What I was most impressed by was uh, – so I heard this uh, – uh, uh, um, the podcast is a high state podcast. They were, they interviewed um, Harrison after the game. Cause he had those two sacks at the end of the game. One caused a fumble that wouldn't be a touchdown. And they said, Hey, why did you, how'd you get to the quarterback with a three man rush? And he said, JT looked at me and said, you get a sack. The game's over. And he said, okay, I'm going to get two. So, I mean, like, you know, he, he, it like, it's so crazy with this. I'll be honest with you, David. It's so frustrating as an high state fan. I'm sure as a Michigan fan, it, it can be that way too. But especially when I love how high state decided to go zone coverage pretty much the whole game when they were just running uh, outs and uh, ins the whole the whole game. And I'm sitting there going, hello, um, Jim Knowles, I know we paid you a lot of money, but we, we got to change something up. And I think that's what – but I, I do agree with you because – even when I even when I played sports, right, and you're in this, you're you see this next game that is so intense, and it's a game that just will give you nightmares if you lose or whatever. And especially some of these players that have played in it, they look past it, past the game they're at. I think it's 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 natural to be like, hey, I can't wait for this big game. But we forget that Maryland, when they're healthy, they're one of the best teams in the Big Ten. When Illinois, yeah. when Illinois is running the ball, 
I'm sorry, there's no one's going to stop them running the ball. No. And so I think that's what's crazy. Yeah, and 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 as far as Mike Loxley in Maryland goes, you you don't just become the OC at Alabama unless you're an incredible <laughs> football coach and, and the job that he's that he's doing with that program. Uh, and then yeah, on the Illinois side, I mean they they have the leading rusher in the country. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I don't know. I I didn't get a sense that the players on the field were looking past these games as frustrating as it was sometimes to watch some yeah. of the things that were going on with Michigan. I'll tell you what, I was starting to question whether maybe some of the coaching staff was looking past the game more I than agree. the players were. <laughs> I agree. That that's the question that I had. Now, I don't know all the details on why all of Michigan's best players were out uh, against Illinois yesterday. I don't have that inside information. I don't know if Mike Morris, you know, is, is going to play against the Buckeyes. I don't know about our starting tight end or Donovan Edwards or what the situation is leading into this uh, rivalry week uh, as we approach it. Um, I just know that it did feel like a little bit more from the coaching staff than even, even the players. We thought that we could just show up and, and win a football game. Yeah. But at the end of the day, both took care of business, mm -hmm. both won games. And, and as far as the uh, I'll say one more thing about the conferences, and this is something that I that I talk about with Jake and Blaine, my co-host a lot, which is when Georgia goes on the road at Missouri and almost loses a game or, you know, we see Tennessee go on the road at South Carolina and get 63 hung up, uh, on them. You know, we have this tendency to say, well, that's the SEC. You know, any given yeah. week in the Southeastern Conference and you can go lose a game. But then when the Buckeyes go on the road against Maryland and almost lose or you have a situation with, um, you know, Illinois coming into the big house, uh, then we say, well, those teams aren't elite. You know, and, I hate and that's <laughs> just a problem to me. Like we need to stop. Uh, there's great football being played all around the country right now. If you look at the the trajectory and the step that the Pac-12 has made, uh, you know, being on the West Coast out there, they were more affected um, by COVID policy than most of the schools in the country. Some of those programs weren't even playing football. What what um, what the Pac-12 has done this year has been incredible. So you, you you can take different teams from each of these conferences around the country and you're going to get great football and you can lose on any given Saturday. That's what I love yeah. about football. <laughs> I'm kind of with you too, David. Like maybe they did look ahead, Ohio State and Michigan, we don't know. But across the country, we saw uh, Kentucky give it to Georgia. Like maybe Kentucky doesn't have anything to play for, but they can play spoiler to Georgia. We saw Ole Miss lose. We saw North Carolina lose to Georgia Tech. We saw, like you just said, Tennessee with South Carolina. So there was just a lot of, I guess, teams that maybe didn't have something to play for other than spoiler. And uh, I mean, even Baylor, TCU, that went right down to the final play there. But down to the uh, final play, USC, UCLA, right? That know, one too. It was just just fantastic football across the country. Uh, to answer your second question quickly, you were talking about um, Michigan's pass game, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Was there anything no. there that you liked? Or no, thought not really. <laughs> not really. I mean, when you needed a fourth down conversion through the air to go win the football game and you complete that pass, then yes. I mean, that that's, you know, everything's on the table right now. An undefeated season, you complete that pass and you go win the game. So, yes, there is that, I'll, you know, that's uh, I'll give that um, the kudos that it deserves. But other than that, um, not really. I mean, uh, I'm seeing, you know, J.J. McCarthy cannot be this inaccurate with the football down the field. OK, but that's just one facet of it. The other part of it is a big reason why J.J. McCarthy is the starting quarterback at Michigan right now and not Cade McNamara is because of his mobility and because of all that upside that he has on the run. We need to be getting him dialed up in the run game more, not only with designed runs. And obviously he's going to scramble sometimes when he needs to. But the zone read in the RPO game is a huge part of this. 
this because as more and more defenses start to stack that box, eight man fronts, even nine man fronts and creep those safeties down, he has to be able to pull the zone read when it calls for it. And then he needs to be able to hit the slant route behind that when he pulls on the RPO game, when it calls for it, not predetermined, not premeditated pulls, not premeditated throws, but to be able to do that when the defense gives you that. Uh, so that's that's what I want to see is the, in the next iteration of J.J. McCarthy's game. And I hope that it comes in uh, in exactly uh, six days from now. Um, but if not, look, he's still a young quarterback. I think the ceiling is very, very, very high. He's going to be a phenomenal player. And like I said, you sit here right now, if you're Michigan, 11-0, and 0, and your quarterback still hasn't had one of those games where you say, wow, he's an all-pro. Mm-hmm. Looking at Ohio State, David, uh, what's uh, something about their team that you see that Michigan might be able to take advantage of this weekend? And then what's something about Ohio State that uh, just scares you that could be a problem for Michigan? Well, as far as what scares me, I mean, anytime you line up against the Buckeyes and you look at that wide receiving core, uh, I mean, it just it's jaw dropping. I don't know how you send two guys to the NFL in the top 11 picks. Is that what yeah, I mean? I'm just I was sitting here yeah. watching uh, watching Red Zone before I uh, before I came on here. Was it Garrett Wilson ten, Chris Olave eleven, back to back? And people mm-hmm. asked me. Uh, w- uh, you had six wide receiver picks, I think, in the first eighteen in the NFL draft, and people said, "Well, which wide receiver is going to be the best uh, in the in their rookie year?" I said, "Chris Olave." I'm going to take Chris Olave. And right now he's averaging 70 yards a game, something like that as a rookie. I don't know how you lose both of those guys. And Smith and, and then, and, and well, and then that was my point. And then the best one, supposedly Jackson Smith, a Jigba comes back and stays and he's not even leading the team in wide receiving. You got Marvin Harrison's kid right now. It's just like, <laughs> it is a never ending story in terms of the amount of talent that the Buckeyes are able to produce. And Farmer Gronk. At every position, well, at every position, but just right now, especially that wide receiving core. And I think that Michigan is certainly uh, very glad that they didn't catch the Buckeyes in September right? Or, or last year when they play in September, football in the Big Ten is different in September than it is in November. And that's why Michigan and Illinois and Iowa and Minnesota and Wisconsin and a lot of these teams have the identity they do. Now, the Buckeyes have somehow been able to keep this sort of blue collar mentality, hard nosed defense, and we're going to run the ball downhill at you and always have a good running back, plus have an elite quarterback, <laughs> plus have an elite wide receiver core. They really have separated themselves the last decade and a half. Uh, in terms of their ability to do that. Um, Having said that, what do I like about Michigan's chances against the Buckeyes? Look, it's what Michigan needs to do, uh, which is to run the football downhill, run it, you know, and just smash mouth right in the face, but then be able to win off of that, you know, run to pass, win off of the play action, win off of throwing on the run, things like that. So, uh, you know, Steve Dace is going to come on our show this week and he came on earlier in the year and he said, uh, the Buckeyes still have a physicality problem. The Jim Knowles hire was a phenomenal hire, and they're going to have a really great defense. But as we sit here now, the Buckeyes still have a physicality problem. Now, I was surprised to hear him say that because I wouldn't go that far. Now, this was 10 weeks ago, right? This was at the 
beginning of the season, he said that. And even then I was thinking, man, if you, if you heard what Ryan day was saying after the Rose bowl, after they beat Utah, he wasn't even, he wasn't even celebrating a Rose bowl victory because he was so mentally focused on having just lost to Michigan and they want it to be November already. And that's how much this rivalry means to these two teams. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say that the Buckeyes have a physicality problem because I've seen this movie year after year after year. I think last year was the anomaly, but that doesn't mean that Michigan can't have success in the run game and they're going to need to, if they expect to win this football game. And then I'm always looking at Michigan secondary guys. I'm always looking at it because it seems like year after year when Michigan struggles or when they lose football games, a large part of that is due to the secondary and this defense from Michigan has gotten better every Every single week. I've been so proud to watch this defense's growth throughout the year. And we've been winning in the second half of ball games. That's something new for the Jim Harbaugh yeah. era. They've gone into the locker room. They've made adjustments. And until yesterday's game, uh, Michigan had won the second half of games like 117 to three, something like that. So that's really incredible. But in the secondary, I know Will Johnson is a young kid and it's not really fair to go ask a true freshman 11 weeks into his college career. Hey, you're going to have to go line up against uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> and some of these guys the Buckeyes have, but there's a reason they put five stars by your name, yeah. you know? So you got to go, you got to go figure out a way to do it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the physicality thing, uh, that, that, I think Ohio state has improved, like, especially at the linebacker position and defensively, but offensively, uh, I'll let Ben address this. The offensive line these last few games has been kind of iffy, especially with the running game. And uh, I mean, I know Ohio state's had the injuries that rain back too, but it just is like, why can't they seem to like, especially in the Northwestern game, even without the pass game, why can't they move these like two-star defensive linemen at Northwestern around? When you're all five stars. Well, it's even frustrating too because and and David, it was actually I just told Josh before we got on here, Matt Jones got hurt at the end of the game yesterday, and he's been kind of like the weak link. He's been injured. He's kind of been the thing. And some of the high state fans I was seeing say, "Oh, he got hurt. Oh man, that sucks," and kind of like roll their eyes, you know, because I think that's the mm. it's 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 one of those things where guard has been the issue for high state. Because Ohio State, for some reason, Ryan Day loves to run the out uh, off tackle zone, read it all the way outside, and at, that's great. But the issue is, if you don't have athletic linemen, if you don't have athletic linemen that can get out and get going, it's not going to work. What did Ohio State have success the last two weeks? Was when they said, "Okay, we're going to line up, we're going to jam it down your throat," and that's what works for Ohio State. And you're seeing that with Wipler up front, and with Jackson, and with the two tackles, and even when Jones is playing well it's going forward not sideways and i think that's what i'm interested to see if they can do that against michigan because if they can get that downward game then the play action pass which is what a high state is very very good at opens up and that's when you're going to see harrison or ambuka break open down the field because you're gonna have those safeties creeping up and that's when a high state attacks yeah and for michigan can you limit those big plays that's been the thing that I've seen year after year. When I tell you that I've seen this movie, the movie I'm talking about is Ezekiel Elliott running from the 50 yes. into the end zone. Beanie Wells running from the 50 into the end zone. The Buckeyes don't only create explosive plays through the air. They do a lot through the running game, and, I, and I've seen it a lot. Can you limit those explosive plays? Because I haven't seen Michigan play from behind a lot this year, and that's great, and that's part of the identity we talk about. When you run the ball, when you run the ball so much and so effectively, you chew up a lot of clock you're going to get fewer possessions and you're going to keep the other team 
from getting so many possessions. You're going to keep a high-powered offense over there on the sidelines. So uh, to, to be able to do that, Michigan's offense needs to stay out of third and long, okay, stay in third and two, third and three, so you can pick up those first downs in the run game. And then, uh, you know, you need to be able to keep from getting down too much. Michigan's been able to play from a score back, and I think this will certainly be a close game, and whoever has the ball last will most likely win it. But, um, you know, you don't want to see a situation where you're down 14 by, by 14 early in the first half because we haven't really seen Michigan be able to create those explosive plays. See, if, if, if Michigan finds himself up 14 late in the second half, no Michigan fan is going to say, well, this thing's put away because we've seen the Buckeyes be able to <laughs> score. What, what, what was the score with six minutes left against Penn State? It was essentially, what was it, tied? Maybe it was, Ohio it was, State was we up. Were, we were up one, I think, or down one or something like that. It was up one like or that. down one. Something you were like down that. going exactly. into the fourth. That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah, down going into the fourth with six minutes left in the game. I think they were up one or two, something yeah. like that. All of a sudden, the Buckeyes reel off all these points. They end up winning again by double digits against uh, Maryland. We saw with 46 seconds left you're up three win by double digits so we know the Buckeyes can do it there's going to be no lead that's safe but for Michigan you can't get down early you can't get down big early anyway is what I mean to say you can't get down yeah. big early because we haven't seen Michigan be able to create those explosive plays uh on the offensive side of the ball to be able to fight from two or three mm -hmm. scores back yeah yeah that's a uh, that's interesting David uh Michigan, I, I agree with you. They've struggled to make those big plays. They're kind of like they'll slowly break you down. Like they'll get these six to eight yard chunks. But I believe Ohio State is first in second half scoring. I think Michigan's right behind him in second for second half scoring. So I think either side, like you can't get into a one, two score deficit just because most likely your opponent's going to be putting up the points in the second half. And it's going to, it's like, I think this might actually be a game where you win it in the first half, as weird as that sounds. I agree with you. Whoever has at the end is probably going to be in the best position to win it. But I think whoever maybe has the better first half uh, could dictate this victory as well. That's interesting to hear. I, I I will be paying special attention to the weather this week to see if that if that holds. If the weather is really bad, no wind, then you might be right. Yeah, but you know, I, I mean, for, for both teams here, any Michigan fan who's you know, obviously Michigan fans are praying for for um, you know tough conditions and hoping that it snows and sub freezing conditions and all that because that helps with their identity. I mean, I'm a big tennis fan too, so anytime I would see Rafael Nadal on the court, he's just the type of player who wants to. Play play in the conditions he's built for that so whenever they would close the roof in a building they would always talk mm -hmm. about how roger federer and novak Djokovic benefit from that nadal wants to play outside with the roof roof open i understand why michigan fans want that but at the same time i don't think that will be the deciding factor look cj stroud and the buckeyes they're going to score points i don't care what the weather is like and uh, uh you just you have to go into this with a mindset if you're michigan that you, you have to be able to win in multiple ways. And I think the Buckeyes need to think that too. Whatever the game, Kirby Smart's doing such a good job at this at Georgia right now, understanding the tone of a football game early and then saying, okay, we'll win that type of game. We need to get into a shootout. We'll figure out a way to win that. We need to get in a defensive battle on the road at Kentucky. We'll win 16 to six. We don't care. So understand no matter what the weather is, no matter who's in for you, no matter who's out for you, this is the type of game where you need to go in and you need to find a way to beat your biggest rival. And that that's a statement that could be made every year these teams play, right? That's yeah. a statement that could be made if both of them have four losses each. Now, 
everything is even more on the table because you have a chance to go to the conference championship. You have a chance to go to the college football playoff and everything that was on the table last season I talked about is on the season is on the table this season. Plus the Heisman trophy could be on the table boys. I mean, the winner of this football game could walk away with the Heisman trophy and everything else we talked about. Again, I don't know what Blake Corum's status is. If he doesn't play, he won't win the Heisman trophy. If he does play any rushes for 30 yards, he won't win the Heisman trophy. I don't think CJ Stroud is at the very top of the list right now after a couple of his performances but it's not impossible that the winner of this game if either one of those stars on both sides shines for their team and gets a victory they could walk away with the trophy most most assuredly that was actually a question we got from a listener is does an ohio state victory in this game guarantee stroud the heisman does a michigan victory guarantee or guarantee quorum the heisman and what do you think I, I've said this. I've said CJ Stroud to me has always been at the t- this is what I've said. I actually said this before the show. I said CJ Stroud has benefited from guys right behind him or right at the tier of him struggling, right? When CJ Stroud had that 70 yard passing game, Penn and Hooker was awful, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of slowed him down. This week, he throws for 220, 230, a touchdown, manages the game well, but Drake May had a terrible game. Penn and Hooker got hurt, did not have a good game. And so I felt like this would be the capstone. I think if he gets a win here, and let's say he throws for 250, four touchdowns or 304 touchdowns or manages the game well and makes some plays with his feet or whatever, then that's the cap that he needs, maybe plus a Big Ten championship game, right? But I think, and I think the same for Quorum. Like, I think if Quorum puts out some crazy numbers against Ohio State and they, Michigan wins by two scores or whatever, then yeah, I think that is. But I think really for Stroud, it's you have to put the numbers up in this game and the win. Like he can put up number, he can put up, he can get the win, but if his numbers are like, mm-hmm. okay, you're not showing up against a really good defense, then that's where everyone's going to judge. But I think it really goes back to everyone else hasn't been performing. So Stroud's been able to just hang yeah. on the top spot or near the top because no one else is performing well. Well, let's talk about what, what we, what we know right now. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker losing at South Carolina. I don't think Hendon Hooker is going to win the Heisman Trophy now. Yeah. Uh, Drake May losing against Georgia Tech. Uh, look, Drake May's claim for the Heisman Trophy was never about being on the best team. Yeah. Right. right. It was All about never the numbers. About, like we were certainly going to make the college football playoff, but it was about not losing in so many games to keep you out of it. We saw Robert Griffin the third win the trophy with three losses. Losing against Georgia Tech yesterday, I think North Carolina was at home as well and throwing for two or two. I just that is a bad loss. I I feel like he's I feel like he's out of the conversation now, even though he will play the two toughest defenses he's faced this season in North Carolina State and Clemson back to back. If he were to go and really shine in both those games and he's a two loss ACC champion, I don't think he's out of it the way Hendon Hooker is out of it right now. But Drake May is is no longer at the top of my board. Uh, Hendon Hooker is no longer at the top of my board. Um, the problem with CJ Stroud for me, and you guys tell me what you think, it's difficult for me to say he's leading the Heisman Trophy race and could win it with a win this weekend when he's had a worse year than last year, right? I mean, last year he had this mm-hmm. otherworldly season, barely to me gets beat out by Bryce Young, who does the exact same thing, but goes to the national championship as well. Um, it's difficult to give a guy the Heisman Trophy when he didn't win it and did worse than he did the previous season, even though I don't think CJ Stroud is out of it because his team is undefeated right now and he still has his biggest rival ahead of him. And if he beats them, he's going to play in a conference championship, which Hendon Hooker and Drake May are, are well, uh, Hendon Hooker's not going to do. Uh, Drake May will play in his conference championship, but he's going to play uh, against Clemson. Uh, and then right now, I just, I feel like, uh, you know, on the other side, Blake Corum, 
on the other hand, is banged up. You know, who knows if he's even going to play in this game, but still against Illinois only plays a quarter and a half still has over a hundred over a hundred and a touchdown. So that didn't knock him out of it for sure. Um, But right now I really feel like Caleb Williams to me is leading the Heisman race. I think he's leading the Heisman race right now. And just like we said about Drake may uh, Caleb Williams is going to have his opportunities. You know, he's going to play Notre Dame at home. And this is a Notre Dame team that's been getting better every single week since that Marshall loss, you know, and he's probably going to get Oregon. I mean, no matter who he plays in the conference championship, they're going to be a great team. You're probably going to get Oregon. He could, potentially get um uh, i mean if it was a rebatch against ucla we saw what he just did in that game uh you know so either way that's who i have leading right now but tom luganville made a good point when he came on our show last week it's tougher for some of these guys on the west coast to win the heisman trophy because they're not playing in primetime games a lot of them are playing after the east coast has already gone to sleep and it's difficult to win the heisman trophy just off the sunday stat sheet Yeah, yeah and i yeah go ahead josh I'll say, uh, yeah, CJ, that is a good point about not having as good of a season as last year. And I think there's been times where CJ's been inconsistent. Uh, Maybe he finishes with a solid stat line, but there was maybe two quarters or like a quarter and a half stretch in the game, like against Iowa, where he just wasn't good. Penn State, he wasn't really good. But when you read the final numbers, it's like, eh, I guess he had a solid day overall. But um, like Ben said, too, I feel like when CJ has had these bad games, the, re- the rest of the field has had bad games as well. And no, I've, right. I kind of been off on Caleb, like at least early in the season, people were talking about Caleb Williams, but he struggled against Oregon State. I think he struggled. Maybe it was against Arizona. I can't remember. But these last couple of games, I mean, he's quietly moving up the ranks. I think he had five or six touchdowns in that UCLA game. Still, I think only two picks. He has his best games ahead of him, like you said, with Notre Dame. Probably will play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, maybe even be a playoff team at the end of the day. But yeah, I think Caleb Williams has kind of quietly fought his way back into this. And then you kind of got these other guys like Bo Nix and Max Doug that are just uh, maybe just on the outside looking in. But uh, I guess to me, uh, CJ, the team success helps. But I think also when he's had bad games, the rest of the field has had bad games as well. I even said too, uh, David, that when he had that bad game in Northwestern, he answered a question that we didn't see before. He answered the question of being tough and running the ball which is something that I think for me is what kept him after that game. I didn't drop him because I said, that's a question that he has answered that no one really thought he was going to do ever. Like everyone thought he's just never going to run the ball. And I think answering that question, I think kept me going, okay, he'll stay up there. But I I do agree that Caleb Williams is up there. And I think it's going to come down to, I believe CJ Stroud. If let's say high state wins this weekend, it'll be between CJ Stroud and Caleb Williams. The last couple of games, who has the better numbers, who has the better wins. And at the end of the day, that's who's going to be between. But again, it's, it seems like it's like the Bryce young situation. It might not be in like Caleb Williams or uh, CJ Stroud wins by like, you know, 12 votes or like something crazy like that where yeah. it's so tight. It's going to go either way. I feel yeah, like there's CJ... another name. There's another name, Bryce young, another the defending yeah. champion. I mean, he's not completely out of this thing right now. Again, it'd be, it's not only tough to win the trophy. It's especially tough to go back to back. And Bryce hasn't had as good of a season as he had last year and has multiple losses to go with it. Uh, it's just everything you're saying is right. And you don't have to be perfect to win the Heisman yeah. trophy. No one can play perfect. So as difficult as it will be to watch someone hoist the Heisman trophy, he only threw 70 yards against Northwestern can say that's what the game dictated and I have the wins to go with it and I have the numbers in other games to go with it uh it's just I saw what Dwayne Haskins did that year Mm -hmm. okay his last year 
incredible performance. And he was my Heisman Trophy leader uh, that year and didn't win it. Uh, and then to, to see what Justin Fields did with the tenor, the, the uh, touchdown to interception ratio, he had like 45 to two or something yeah. ridiculous. And he didn't come away with the trophy. And then even CJ Stroud last year, what, 4,400 yards, something yeah. like that. Uh, 44 touchdowns, six picks. Here he's sitting here going into this game, 2,900 yards. He does have fewer interceptions at four and 34 touchdowns. I mean, it's not that long ago, guys that 2,900 yards, 36 pick or 36 touchdowns and four interceptions or something would give you the Heisman trophy walking away. It's just, it's a little, it's, it's a different game now. Um, so yeah, I think he's still right there in the mix. Uh, and just like everything in the season right now, it's coming down to the last week. Yeah, yeah. man. Uh, Spe- well, yeah. Speaking of the last week, Josh, do we have a prediction coming up here? Yeah, I think it's about that time now where we all make a game prediction. Um, I think right now Ohio State is like a seven or a seven and a half point favorite, which might just be because they're the home team. Home field advantage in this game is pretty important. We saw what it did for Michigan last year, especially being a veteran team that they were. Ben, I'll start with you because I don't know my prediction yet. (laughs) I'll think about uh, it a little bit more. Maybe you could sway me a little bit. Yes, Uh, this is my thoughts. I think it's going to be a two-score game either way. That's just my thoughts on the top of it. Um, I I think being at home is going to help Ohio State huge. I think the crowd's going to be nuts. I have friends that are going to the game. It's going to be it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be it's going to be a great atmosphere, I, like it always is. Um, I this is what I say. I don't know who's healthy for the Ohio State and the running backs, and also Leighton and Ransom. Eichenberg basically has two broken hands. Latham Ransom has a broken thumb. Ooh. A couple of the D linemen are banged up. So there's a, quite a few guys that are banged up for high State. And so my thought is, at the end of the time, I think a high State wins this game. I'm going to say 38 to 28. So I think a high State... 28. Yes. I think it's going to be one of those games that... <laughs> Again, it could be complete opposite. It could be like 17 to 10. But I just think with the high-power offense of Ohio State and the running game of Michigan, it's going to come out with some points early on, maybe late on. I don't know. But I'm going to go 38-28. Ohio State comes out on top and books their ticket to Indy uh, for the Big Ten Championship game. David? You're close, um, but you got the score wrong and the winning team wrong. So uh, look, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, I got to ride with the Wolverines know, this I week. Know. I don't care. I got to put the, I got to get the jerseys and the Letterman jacket on. I say Jake Moody kicks three field goals on top oh, of whatever wow. else happens. Maybe Blake Corum, let's hope, goes uh, not only into the football game, but rushes for, let's say, 165, Ooh. couple touchdowns, 30 Ooh. to 27 Wolverines. Oh, yeah. Oh, Josh. I think my prediction is kind of a it's kind of relying on at least one of those Michigan running backs to be healthy, right? Either Donovan Edwards needs to play or both of them ideally. Oh, but nice me, Josh. I'm good. Look, I'm giving Ohio State the edge here, but by less than a score. I think it's going to be something along the lines of 37 to 33. We've seen Ohio State's offense have no problem getting to the red zone before, but against good defenses, we've seen them have to kick some field goals. So I think Ohio State, Ruggles is going to have to be kicking. Moody's going to have to be kicking. Uh, But I'm going to give Ohio State the edge simply because they're the home team here and say it's going to be 37 to 34. Ooh, ooh, David, David, we want to just say, uh, first off, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining the baseline podcast. You always are welcome. You're always are welcome. Thank you, sir. Um, and, uh, we, uh, hope for a big game this week. I know we'll all be, I know I'll be messaging you, David, cause you know, I got to a little, little chirping a little bit, (laughs) you know, but, uh, anyways, David, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, hopefully we'll be back soon for another edition of the baseline podcast.
Let's do that. Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, well, we want to say thank you so much for David. I know you guys watched that for us. It's it was a while ago, but we're still going to break it down for you, Josh. What did you think of uh, what David had to say here as we we broke down the Michigan Ohio State game? I mean, I love hearing from David being a former player, actually being a part of the rivalry in house you know, as a quarterback for Michigan. Uh, so I always love hearing that perspective, and even still, like not being like being removed from Michigan for you know as long as he's been he still has trouble through the week uh like you know getting to sleep uh not necessarily going through nightmares but just like it's still kind of like weighs on him yeah it it was fascinating too Josh because it was like he wasn't like the obnoxious like fandom right like he was very realistic like hey these are the things that michigan struggles with here's the things that ohio state are really good at here's the things that ohio state aren't good at here's what michigan's really good at and he thinks it's gonna be a close game i mean you saw he thinks it's gonna be a three-point game so for me it was really awesome to see and once again we're so thankful for david to take time and spend time with us for 30 minutes it's it's a it's a blessing but um yeah i think all what he said was very legit and some things that i think caught a lot of both of us kind of off guard even when he said like you know he thinks caleb williams is the Heisman favorite right now and a lot of other things, but it's awesome to hear a former player's perspective um, in all these kind of senses when it comes to college football. Right. Yeah. And um, also just being, I guess, on the Michigan side of things, like me being in Ohio, I mean, I'm not an Ohio State fan, but I, I'm friends with a lot of Ohio State fans. So I feel like you and me are can be very easily trapped in like that Ohio State bubble. So it's nice to kind of see what uh, I guess people outside the bubble think of both teams as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting because we can't get trapped in that bubble. And I think it's very important that we continue to focus on the game as a whole because you're trying to see the both the pros and cons for both teams. And I think at the end of the day, that's what David gave us. And we, so we really appreciate uh, for David and and what he gave to us, but uh, we're not just doing, we're not just having David on today, Josh, we have another guest coming right up now. Uh, this was obviously pre-recorded, but you will see, uh, you'll hear and see from Chris and hear his thoughts on what he thinks the high state Michigan game will be like. And the, um, and the challenges that he thinks that a high state and Michigan uh, might give each other uh, in this game. So, Let's give it away to future Ben and uh, and Chris. Hey, everyone. We are back with another interview this week. I said we were not just going to bring one this week. I said two. And so we deliver. That's what we do on the show. We deliver in episode 66, which is going to be the greatest episode of all time because it's the game week. And we have the one and only, the most famous man in Cleveland that I know, Chris Drew. <laughs> That's who it is. No, Chris Drew is back with us. Chris, how are you doing, man? Welcome back. Oh, I'm I'm lovely. It's hate week. It's rivalry week. I mean, across college football, all the top five teams struggled, and here we are because it's that time of the year. I know I'm excited, Ben. I'm like I'm super geeking about kind of getting into this. I've had some thoughts about this. Now I have anxiety about this game, and I'm ready to talk my way through it. It's like so like you you called me like a guest or like this interview, but for me this is like therapy. I'm like talking to my two therapists. I'm going to give you like like all my worries, all my fears, and you're going to help me work through them. So thank you both. All right, hey, of course. Well, First things first, Chris, how many times have you listened to It's Time for War so far? Um, only twice. You know, I, I listened to it, and then I had to watch Pac-12 after dark last night. Uh, I did too, man. That was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> always delivers. They always deliver. Yeah. I mean, technically so, uh, it was in the morning for me. Technically it was like 6 a.m. for me in the morning, so. 
Pack twelve for breakfast. Yeah, it's pack twelve in the morning. <laughs> pack twelve before sun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Chris, we had you on preseason to talk mm-hmm. college football with us. I believe you had three Buckeyes and the Heisman finalists, and we did predict correctly though Ohio State would be undefeated at this point. <laughs> but I don't think the season went exactly how you Ben and I thought it would. Yeah. So I guess uh, a little bit of compare and contrast here. Uh, what? has been different to you than what you thought you'd see from Ohio state or my overall predictions. Cause remember from I Ohio also state. had just from Ohio also, state. I had NC state in my top five as yeah, well. We did. We don't talk about the NC state cause <laughs> yeah. I was in that camp in Utah. Yeah. And, I was you know, not, mm-hmm. I was mind. not, it but. was, it was so fun to fall on the trap, but for this Ohio state team, a couple things, I'm surprised that Travis Henderson regressed. Um, that one's really shocked me. I know a lot of people want to reference the injury, the foot injury, but the, the more I think about it, like, your feet and eyes, like just because you injured your foot doesn't mean you're blind in one eye. Yeah. So the Triven Henderson thing, it really surprised me. Obviously, I did not see the JSN um, injury thing ha- coming because I, I still think he would have been a Heisman um, finalist if he was healthy um, because I think he would have probably outpaced Marv at this point. And Marv has got enough buzz. as kind of like the nation's best player regardless of position, in my opinion. Um, additionally, uh, I have been... A little bit disappointed in the corners. I thought they would be a little bit better. I thought, you know, yeah. another year. Um, I thought Denzel Burke would, would be would would kind of step up. What I'm surprised with, though, is Kate Stover. Kate Stover's really mm-hmm. wowed me. Farmer Gronk. Um, My dad Farmer Gronk. I'm convinced that there is, you know, that elbow brace has to be the same one that that uh, that, that Gronk wore, and he just passed it down <laughs> to the most unassuming guy, and it gave him powers because it doesn't make any sense because he's not super athletic. He's still he still is stiff to me, but no one can tackle him, and he's always open. Um, and he's got soft people. hands. Yes, he does run over people, and sometimes jumps just, over I, people. Yeah, that was absurd. If I ever got jumped by by Kate Stover, I'd probably hang up the cleats or ask to go play offense because it's <laughs> definitely my turn. Um, so I've been really surprised by that. And then also, uh, I what I didn't see coming is the best player on defense being Lathan Ransom. And I know people are gonna like think that's an overreaction, but I, I really, but I, I firmly. Like, I think he's better than Tommy. I think he's better than JT. I think he is the best, uh, maybe defensive player in the entire Big Ten on what Lathan Ransom does and what they ask him to do. They he broke his play. leg in yeah, he, January. Yeah, he broke his leg in January. <laughs> Even go further than that, he he broke his thumb yeah. first play of the game. And, and then blocks he blocked a punt. a punt with the same hand. Like, he's a guy with extreme toughness. He's the twitchiest and freakiest of the safeties. He's been he's played nickel corner at a high clip. He's played the Ronnie Hickman role at times. And then he hasn't missed any tackles, which is why Ohio State hasn't given up any explosive long touchdowns this year while he's been out there. Lathan Ransom um, has really wowed me and kind of the MVP of the defense. So that's kind of things I did not see coming. I always thought Lathan Ransom was really twitchy. I didn't know he was capable of being the best safety um, yeah. in the Big Ten, maybe in america mm. yeah injuries definitely can be tough to predict but lathan yeah he might have played himself into He's like awesome. a late first round pick might be mm-hmm. gone after the end of the season unfortunately uh but kind of a uh, shifting gears uh to this weekend uh a big question was going to be whether or not ohio state and michigan both might be looking ahead and i I mean, both teams did struggle a little bit, but I'm not so sure they were looking ahead as it was Maryland and Illinois are just good teams that deserve their credit. And I mean, in Illinois' case, at least, they're still playing to get into the Big Ten yeah. championship game, mm-hmm. and Maryland is playing the role of spoiler. So do you think it might have been a little bit of both or maybe more on one side of that than the other? Um, I really think that – well, in, so in Maryland's case, um, I, well, it, Ohio State is team Super Bowl. 
So sometimes like teams will get up for games. This Ohio State team, I don't know if they have one other than, you know, Kate Silver might be. They don't have a vocal leader. So sometimes they get in cases where I think that they don't they play down to competition and don't quite match opponents. We've yeah. seen it kind of throughout the year. Um for Illinois' case against Michigan, I just they're so similarly built and they play mm-hmm. so, so such similar yeah. styles that I think it was kind of like you know, it's like two brothers fighting. It's like this could go either way. And that's what that felt like. That's what it looked like. So I think that was more of a matchup thing. And then also with Ohio State, it's also an interesting thing matchup-wise too because, like, Maryland's a team that doesn't really run the ball that well. But the things that really have kind of showed itself in flashes against Ohio State has been mobile quarterbacks and then, um, you know, dynamic slot receivers. Um, Rod, you know, Rakeem Jarrett is one of those guys, dynamic slot receiver. And Talia uh, just did enough running around and did enough good stuff to really give Ohio State issues. I was kind of bugged by the corner play um of ohio state you know playing six yards off even though schematically it it was just a different look i didn't think uh was was nice to see chris it was it was interesting to me and and i was watching this game and i was talking with my dad too you know my dad's a former football coach you know he has this perspective as as especially as a defensive coach that he was Mm -hmm. he goes there's no sense right if you know this team and and I love what what Maryland did. They said, "Okay, you're going to give us a five yard in, a five yard out, a seven yard uh, uh, comeback." And so, what the, what the receivers do? They looked at they looked at them and said, "Okay, we'll we'll give that." And especially with Burke, what frustrated yeah. me about yesterday, and I'll be honest with you, Chris, what frustrated me yesterday was that Burke he would he would run backwards for a yard and i'm like I, I i get you're in cover cover two at times but like it's third and eight and you gave him eight yards and it's like yeah it, it's so frustrating Burke because was given a lot of cushion it, and it, it's it's frustrating because you Knowles had like he's been great all year but yesterday's game plan was a little weird for me it was like when we sent pressure and we got pressure they couldn't do anything offensively. And then we'd stop doing pressure and gave them a bunch of yards. And it's like, no, 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 do what's getting you there. And what got you there was just pressure and pressure and forcing bad throws and making them run the ball because when they had to run the ball, they couldn't run the ball. And so Mm. that's my thought process is you have to get the corners to go, look, you don't have to be always on them one-on-one man up, but know you have help over the top. Know you have help inside instead of giving them a five-yard comeback that's going to end up being a first down every single time. Yeah, it's like when you give a six-yard cushion and Denzel Burke's first step is still a step yeah. backwards when it's third and four is ridiculous. The only thing I can think of is like, like is Jim Knowles like playing this game where he's daring Maryland to pass and he's gonna dial something up and kind of cloud lanes? But he wasn't. But then, but then we never clouded lanes. We just like we no passing lanes were ever constricted the entire time. Um, so you know, I it was frustrating to me. And then uh, in the back of my head, I'm like conspiracy theory. I'm like, okay, like. I hope they're daring Michigan to pass, even though I know that's not how <laughs> coaching works. Well, it, um, it was it also was it was also fascinating at the end of the game. I told David Cohn this that uh, on the podcast with uh, Jeremy Birmingham and those guys, mm-hmm. um, they interviewed um, uh, Harrison at the end of the game. They said, "Hey, what made you go get two sacks when it was three rushing and you beat the tackle both times?" And he goes, "Well, JT looked at me and said, hey, if you get a sack, the game's over.'" And then he's like, "I went and got two. You know, like <laughs> that, that to me that to me shows how much dog." is in these Ohio State guys when they want to. Like, why can't this be every down? I don't understand. I also don't understand why I love Johnson. I love him to death. Amazing coach. But we need to stop playing the fourth string line when it's in a key situation in the game. You need to play too deep at each position, and those are the rotations. You Mm -hmm. cannot stop doing fourth string because what happens when Ohio State gets beat running the ball? It's when they play their fourth string guys or the third string guys. When they get beat passing with no pass rushes with their third string guys. 
I know you want to get them experience, but at times you need your best guys out there as much as you can. And when JTT's out there and when Harrison's out there and when uh, when you have some of these guys inside that are out there and you have Eichenberg blitzing up the middle, what they do, they blitz up the A-gap and it was there's no chance for them to do anything. And that's what they need to do more of. And I get so frustrated when they do these these weird packages. Yeah, they do the weird packages, and then what happens is as soon as teams see that, like, oh, if like JT's not out there, teams go tempo. It's oh, like, yeah, okay, exactly. He's not out there. We're going to keep him off the field. And it's like at that point, you got to know, <laughs> okay, like, like our, our, let's put our very best out there, like critical down in distance or whatever. Let's 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 make sure we we are equipped to stop them and keep stopping them. So no, that's a really good point. And I and I love I love Harrison, and, and obviously Harrison also has the knee injury that he tweaked. Mm-hmm. This is crazy, like the amount of injuries that, that we're getting. But uh, you I know, mean, we'll, Eichenberg played with two broken hands, by the way. Yeah, Eichenberg with two broken hands. <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> but no, no, you're right. I, I am intrigued to see how they come out against Michigan, though, as well. Like, are, are we going to see the cushion against Michigan? Are we going to dare Michigan to throw? Are we going to, you know, load? The, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, too, and I don't know. I haven't been around many coaches. I didn't play football, but I feel like st- – just stack the box is such an armchair coach thing to do because mm-hmm. just stacking the box, it was that easy to stop the run. Don't you think every team would have done that to Michigan made JJ beat them? Yeah, they've been able to run the ball well against loaded uh, loaded fronts. I, Zach mentioned, I don't, I don't want to get too scheme heavy, but Zach has been sending me cut-ups from the coach's film. And one of the things that he referenced was that like kind of the way that Michigan combats that when they, when they face loaded boxes is uh, whenever they play a bare front, so that's a lot of times when you get, get a loaded box, they don't block one of the linebackers. And instead mm, they I did send hear him extra, talk about this. Yep. Yeah. So they don't block one of the linebackers and they shoot another lineman to the outside. So it's like, okay, if you want to load this many in the box, we're going to run to the edge. We're going to leave somebody free, but we're also going to be running away from members, away from people. So it's not just a pure interior run game. So just a, some, something of note, they seal off the edge instead of well, blocking the linebacker. And then you face the, force the linebacker to chase you. And it's like yeah. running around. So, well, it's, it's, I wish Ohio State would, um, not do would stop doing the outside run and just do what Josh has been saying the last few weeks and just run between the guard and the center like they should oh, yeah, do counter every power. time. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. don't do that. And it they seems to work more than when they do the stretch zone runs. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah, well, the stretch zone it's just like you're getting you're getting big like physical linemen running side to side instead of like they're not athletic linemen. They're not as athletic as what you would like yeah, to do. That exactly. You can't exactly. pull. A, you can't. You by the way, Matt Jones getting injured might have been a benefit to Isaac going in because he's been the one that's been injured all year. He's been, and my, my dad even goes, man, maybe that was a blessing from blessing because he's a guy that is, I think was the weak link. Jackson was a little mm-hmm. bit of a weak link as well, but I think with Jones, you saw yesterday, I mean, he got blown up by a, a 290 pound lineman that wasn't the, even the starting lineman yesterday. It's like, dude, yeah. you got to, you got to push back. You can't he do this can't, against Michigan. He can't step. Like yeah, his like his ankle is so tight. Like it looks like he has a high ankle sprain. And it's so be- it's a foot thing. They said it was a, l- a lower foot thing mixed oh. with an ankle thing. It's like a combination mm-hmm. of foot yeah, ankle that, mixed. And that he, makes sense. He's been struggling to plant that foot too. No, they, they said he he literally cannot step. Like he he like that when that first and step comes. Why do you play them then? Like I don't know. why? I have no. Yeah. That's I, that is, is it like is he better question. than the next guy up? I don't know. No, Enoch Enoch has been playing really well when he's in there, and that's why I don't get why you don't put Enoch in there, and mm-hmm. who's been playing very well when he gets in there. And Dallin Hayden, by the way, this is what's crazy is Dallin Hayden. By the way, no one's talking about the fact this man has three hundred yard rushing games when the dude was supposed to be the fourth string running back coming into the year. Might get redshirted, and now this man and Xavier Johnson and Chip Trainum. They the might be the front of a playoff run. <laughs> might be the future guys. It's like the 2014 run 
without mm-hmm. the quarterback issues, but the running back issues. That's the fascinating part. One one of the things I do think is interesting as well. Um, we have a chance right now to move Dewan Jones back to guard. If if you don't think Enoch is like that, um, true. Just 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 for the record, that is something that that should be in play with, given how good a uh, was it Weipler played. Uh, uh, no, uh, not Weipler. Um, um uh, Fryer, Fryer. Excuse me. Fryer, yeah. yeah. Given how well Fryer played two weeks ago, so that that that'll be an option. They'll kind of evaluate that if they want. That's a big guard. Keep, Six eight, big guard, big guard. He he was a he did he played well at guard a couple of years ago. Um, what was it twenty twenty? And he, he yeah. played some guard and opened up some stuff for Master Teague. And it was kind of like, all right, Master Teague, we know you don't have the best vision. Just follow seventy nine. <laughs> just whatever you do, just follow seventy nine, and I and mash some things down. So they're gonna they're gonna have to retool the offensive line. I don't think Matt Jones will play next week. Hey, speaking of injuries and third stringers. Michigan's running back room might be, you know, gutted for this Saturday with Blake Corn being hurt. Uh, Donovan Edwards also did not play in that game. I don't know what his health status is like, uh, but I think it'd be a fair bet to say Michigan's run game would struggle without those guys. Meanwhile, we've just been talking about Dallin Hayden. Man has three 100-yard games. He has answered every time that they have called his number. Could it possibly be that Ohio State has the edge in the running game this weekend, assuming that Corm and Edwards are both scratches again? Definitely. Well, I, I mean, I'll go. I'll I mean, go. I know Ohio State also has the issues at line that we've been talking mm-hmm. about here, and they don't like to run it downfield as much as maybe they should. But I feel like that could be a lot more even uh, if th- that is ends up being the case. There we go. I'm ready. I'm ready to finally to have an honest discussion about Trayvon Henderson. Let's have it. Oh, boy. Trayvon Henderson is not a good enough running back to be the lead back for Ohio State. Oh, oh, Dallin, Dallin Hayden is. And I think that more people would be comfortable saying that if in the recruiting rankings, Down Hayden was a five-star. People want to talk about Trey this, Trey that, injury this, injury that. Let's talk about Trey. Trey is only very productive when things are blocked perfectly up front. Trey is only good when you get him into space. And then Trey is suspect and pass pro. So mm. for Dallin, things don't have to be blocked perfectly for him to give you five or six. Down Hayden also in space shows that he can take these creases and score. Down Hayden has better footwork, better balance, better vision, and he's well coached. On pass pro, he's punishing guys more than uh, Trey is. So again, it's like if Down Hayden came in as a five star, as touted as all everything, he would be like the guy. There'd be there'd be no debate or any talk talking from uh, from any fans about anything. With Trey, it's like you want to hold on to, the, oh, he's more talented. Oh, when he's in space. Oh, this and oh, that. Down Hayden is forcing more missed tackles per touch than Trayvon Henderson. It's like, okay, so he's got he's got that edge. So it's like, oh, like, well, well what about when, when they both are in open field? Well, in terms of, like, you know, percentage of, of ripping off over 10-yard runs, Down's better at that as well. And then it's like, oh, well, Trey's foot is hurt. Well, Trey's foot's been hurt all year. That doesn't affect vision. Like, I got to what anybody says. Like, like Mines were hurt all year as well. His vision has been there. So for me, I think I, I am comfortable. And the one thing I worried about was like, okay, workload, is he going to fumble? My, or I, excuse me, Down Hayden has to put the ball on the ground once. I mean, Zach talked to me a little bit about how well coached Down is. He does everything that Tony asked him to do. And at this point, it's like, I know he's a true freshman, but we, we gave a true freshman the ball last year to tote the load, and it was Trayvon Henderson. Like, and we had no problems with that, mainly because he was a five-star. So once you get to Ohio State, they say that the, the, the stars and all that are gone. So you take the stars and everything away, and I think Down should be the feature back for this team. And that's crazy at this point because it is it is Ohio State, but he deserves 
you know, for, for every touch that, that Trey gets, my, uh, not mine, excuse me, Dallas should have at least three. So that's where I'm at in terms of the running back room mm. with them moving forward. Mm. The man said it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, th- I think those five yeah. stars are important. I mean, I think Ohio State's even had maybe the same thing happen with Fleming, right? I mean, that five star, yeah. the top receiver in his class, and they've been hoping that he finally would reach that potential. And I balls. think this, yeah, I think this just might be as good as Fleming's going to get. Yeah, exactly. And and, and like Trey runs like situation. such a Trey runs like a meathead, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like like he doesn't he doesn't even try to use any kind of vision. It's like, oh, if it's not right in front of me, I'm going to take a sharp left and go outside i'm just gonna sprint as fast as i can he's yeah. not following any creases and it's making it look like the offensive line is not doing that good of a job blocking but i mean we're we're drawing it up and and for some like like when down's in there the holes are there when trey's in there the holes are there but like it just looks different and feels different yeah and so. i think and i think too you look at xavier johnson i mean he had one carry and he took it 70 yards of the house why because exactly. the hole was there and by the way this mm-hmm. is what I, this is what i want to say too is you look at Dallin Hayden, and I know he's not the same back as Trey Sermon and Ezekiel Elliott. I know he's not the same backs as them. But when you watch him run, when he was in the power eye and they had they had Rossi out there at, at fullback at the H-back, and they did that handoff when he took, I think, like 15 yards, and I watched him and I go, I, I pulled up a highlight of Ezekiel Elliott. I pulled a highlight of Trey Sermon. I go, that's that guy. Like, this yeah. is who he is. And I would not be shocked is, let's say, mine goes pro after this year. There could will be a huge competition next year for who that guy is. Plus, I say needs to get another running back in the in the in the. Yeah, I think I think Braylon, Braylon Allen's going to hit the portal from Wisconsin. Yeah. So if you let's say you have Braylon Allen, let's say you get Braylon Allen to come, mm-hmm. you have those three guys. What are you going to do? You're going to have you're going to have basically three guys that can run for a thousand yards. And I'll say this: people are like, "Well, Travion's better in the pass game." I'm like, "Yeah, but he had two. Uh, but Dallin had two catches for twenty yards yesterday. Yeah, like, well, they, he needs to get the ball. He gets the ball. Mm-hmm. And Zeke Elliott was never a great pass catcher. He just did when he needed to. Same with Trey Sermon. He was never a great pass catcher. What I love about Dallin Hayden is he's like, "I'm a freshman. I don't care. Oh, you're going to stick in front of me. I want to run you over. Oh, you're going to get in front of me. I want to juke you out. Oh, you're going to you're going to give me not going to me that hole. I'm going to bounce it not outside. I'm going to bounce it inside to another gap." Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do. It's interesting. You, you kind of brought all those things up. They all feel like guys that are coached by Tony Alford. Yes. Like they do all like the, the little things, the little coach tool things. It's like, oh, like he took to Tony's coaching so well. And, and, and I see it too, like the, the, just the, the little stuff and the way they get skinny through the hole, the, you know, always moving forward. Take take the four that's there. You don't need 30 every time. So, I mean, and the fact that he's a, it's great. Down Hayden is a more mature runner than Travion Henderson. That should not be the case for a true freshman. No. Who no, has worse vision, Chris, Trent Richardson or Travion Henderson? Trent Richardson. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> Trent Richardson was awful. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. It's it's very evident. Trent Richardson, they, they said he struggled walking through a door. Like if when he came into the, you know, in a, in a, when he went to Berea during camp, they said he walked into the side of the door a couple times. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, <laughs> I just had to ask that since you brought up mm-hmm. the vision. But – Hey, man, I, let's talk uh, Ohio State's offense as a whole now uh, in comparison to Michigan's D. Michigan had all, like, the seniors graduate last year, right? Like, no more Aiden Hutchinson, no more David Ojabo, no more Daxon Hill, no more Josh Ross. And still, Michigan's defense is first in total defense, uh, second in scoring defense, and they actually have just about as many sacks as they did last year, losing two, like, first round prospects at the edge yeah so i think that's that might be the biggest surprise heading this game is how good michigan's defense still is how do you think uh ohio state's offense matches up with them 
Mozzie Smith terrifies me. I do worry about our interior offensive line play, and Mozzie Smith is the freakiest defensive tackle in all of college football, not named Jalen Carter, um, and and he's an issue. So um, I it, I think they will try to run away from him, so I'm just preparing Buckeye fans to see a lot of stretch. Because you want stretch zone. <laughs> oh, we love that stretch zone run in Columbus, don't we, Ben? Because <laughs> you want to run away from Mozzie Smith. Yeah. Um, I do think we're going to see a lot of wide receiver screens, so Buckeye oh, Nation, no. prepare yourself please for those no. as well. So you mean, um, wait, Chris, you mean we're going to have a wide receiver screen on the first play like we do every single game except this last game? You know, like yeah, every it, game we have the first play of the they, game. They might run a go route on the first play of the game. They might run a fake wide receiver screen and just try and do a, a wheel. Um, but it, Michigan's corners can't hold our receivers, and, and that's where it's going to so be either. About. I think that's definitely a mismatch. Yeah, that is a, not, a, a sizable mismatch in my opinion, um, and that's why it's like you need Fleming and Emeka to, to do well because Harrison's going to get cloud coverage most of the game, which is kind of what happened last game. Like the two, at first Maryland was like, all right, we're just going to press man, and then they saw that kind of game, like you know, play one. It's like okay, I, you know, inside release. I'm going to go outside and, and get you, and there it is. Um, so I do think you're, you're going to have to see big games from Fleming and Emeka. Um, and then also a lot of stretch run as well. They're going to run away from Ozzie Smith to tire him out. But in the second half, they could run at him because he is a guy that struggled with his conditioning this season. Yeah, I know you can't always use the transitive property in college football just because, like, sometimes you end up in circles with, like, these teams that have beaten each other. But, I mean, the, the best passing offense Michigan has probably faced has been Maryland. And mm. that was also one of Michigan's closest games that they had this season. So I think if you're an Ohio State fan, you got to be thinking, man, if if Talia can do that against Michigan D, imagine what CJ can do on his home field with Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, and Cade Stover. Exactly. Well, even, even what uh, D- David Cohn, so those of you who are obviously still listening, so you, you heard David Cohn's interview. He did say, Josh, and you remember this, he said that the one thing that, that has, when Michigan has lost to Ohio State or lost the big games, it was their secondary that really cost them on the defensive side of the ball. Their explosive think, plays. Yes, Not even think, just with the secondary, but with yes. like guys like Zeke and Beanie Wells getting the big runs yeah. too. Explosive it, plays is something that this Ohio State team is very capable of. Yeah, and it's, and it's one of those things too where, <clears throat> Chris, you can probably touch on this, I know you and Zach probably have talked about this, but the thing is, is the one thing that I am a little worried about, and, I, and I've said this the last few weeks, this week wasn't as bad as what it was, but the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. was getting over 50% of the, the you know, catches or the completions for CJ Shroud, when Emeka Buka basically disappeared for a few games, yeah, he um, and, and the same with Fleming was dropping the ball left and right, um, mm-hmm. you know, Farmer Gronk was about the only other guy that was really catching the ball, and and I think for me, what does worry me is just that if Harrison's locked up, will someone step up? Because I know they can, and I know they're talented mm-hmm. enough. This this past week was a good evidence of that. You know, we saw some guys step up. But Marvin Harrison is a freak, and they're going to probably double freak him. Show. They're probably going to at least have at least man-to-man. They'll probably have a double on him or a guy over top. Will Gronk's will baby Gronk step up? Will you know, will uh, you know, will Buka, will Fleming, will you know, I would love to see Jaden Ballard get in there and and see if he can do something or you know, Bab or whoever. But my question is for you is do you think that this that th- we're going to have enough outside of Harrison to keep this game from not being one dimensional, even more one dimensional than it could already be? I think Emeka has the clutch gene. 
I think there's been times yeah. where he's gone away for a majority of the game, but like when when it's time, when he's needed, makes a big play. Obviously, against Penn State, had the huge play. Um, I'm kind of kind of late in that game. He made a couple really critical third down catches against Maryland. Like he's a guy that seems to elevate a little yeah, bit. It yeah, means yeah. a little bit more to him. Um, so I think that'll be a guy that in a slot could get see a lot more work. I do know also that uh, there's been a lot of talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. and some uh, and some slot packages as well to try to oh. clear out some of that cloud coverage. So mm-hmm. they think that he's a gifted enough route runner. So kind of one of the wrinkles we could see is not too much of a wrinkle, more of a we think Marvin Harrison Jr. is such a good route runner that we feel comfortable you, putting him in the slot and putting more players in conflict to force more one-on-one stuff for Emeka. Do you think that Smith and Jigba plays in this game or, the, or do you think he is done and he's just going to look at the draft? Um, Hearing that Ohio State likes Marvin in the slot, makes me think that they are preparing for a Mecca to be I'm not a Mecca for JSN to be done but there is kind of an inkling I do know his brother um, came and visited him and spent time with him um, I do know that he's you know has an itch and wants to win a national title that's something that's kind of on his mind obviously he was on that 2020 team that made it to the natty and got absolutely boat raced and on the other side of that that game was Jalen Waddle who broke his ankle week two um, for Alabama and then he waited all the way through and came back late in the year he's still enrolled in classes so it makes me think that he's not quite you know Packing it up entirely, and only took one visit to Florida to go see Dr. James Andrews to kind of get uh, you know some more opinions on, on that on that hamstring. I don't know if he plays against Michigan, but I I, I think we could see him in the postseason run if he wants to. Uh, he's because he hasn't shut it down yet. Even though I, if I were him, I probably would have. Mm. Let's move over to uh, the Michigan offense now. Let's assume that we have a, a healthy Blake and a healthy Donovan running the football. Uh, the way that Michigan runs the football, as you said, they kind of leave that linebacker open. So this is going to be an important game for Steel Chambers and Tommy mm-hmm. Eichenberg. I think that they are both talented enough that uh, they're going to be able to, I guess, get through that gap and maybe hit them a little bit earlier. Maybe Michigan's not getting, you know, those six, seven yard chunks. Maybe it ends up being more like three or four, especially if they're playing uh, like another backup Michigan running back. Uh, talk to me about that matchup, how maybe uh, those linebackers uh, could perform. And then talk to me about, uh, I guess, how you feel about Burke and Cam Brown line up on Roman Wilson and Ronnie Bell. Oh, boy. Um, so here you go. Fun fact for you. Ronnie Bell has more drops in the year than Julian Fleming. So oh. hold on to that. Take that for what it's worth. Um, and it. the- <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That was, that was bad. beautiful. That was bad. <laughs> no, I'm here for it. That was good. What else is good? <laughs> Ronnie Hickman's good. I think this is going to be the Ronnie Hickman in the backfield game because we play traditionally with two linebackers and kind of Ronnie Hickman acts as that third linebacker, but also like really good at coverage. Kind of that's the gymnol safety thing. They don't like to run three linebackers out there. Um, we saw it. It happened one time and, and EA got picked on in the touchdown on um, the back of the end zone against Maryland. Um, it's going to be nice to see Tommy Eikenberg downhill for an entire game. With two broken hands. Yeah, two broken hands down over the entire game. Um, they'll block two of the three run support guys. So it'll either be, I might get, I, I think they would probably block block Tommy and Steele, but they're still going to leave that third guy who's a, who's a linebacker, basically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and Ronnie Hickman on block. So I think this could be the yeah. game for him. And if they choose to block Ronnie and Steele, then it's going to be Tommy Eichmann <laughs> downhill on block the entire game. And I'm not sure why they would do that. Um, I do think it's interesting because I think that um, Jim Knowles doesn't trust J.J. McCarthy at all to throw the ball. Um, and, and so I think that they're going to kind of load up and, and dare J.J. to hit his layups. And he missed some layups against Illinois, like some some really bad layups he missed um but additionally like for for all the issues we've had at corner it's not like michigan's been really good kind of in the um um 
in the throw game. So what I'm kind of interested to see is like how many shots will Michigan take, um, especially with the way Andrew Anthony's kind of been, you know, struggling lately. And then yeah. how many shots will they take at Tanner McAllister? That's the weakness. Mm-hmm. Tanner McAllister in the slot has had such a tough time with slot receivers all year. Um, obviously, Maryland, Maryland slot receivers cooked him. Washington um, from Penn State had over 100 yards on Tanner McAllister. Like this this entire season, it's been mm-hmm. McAllister against slot guys. Who's Michigan slot receiver? It's the leading receiver. It's Ronnie Bell. And that's like in close proximity to the quarterback. That's usually the easy access throw. So Tanner McAllister is going to have to step it up or else um, this, this could end up being an odd – we could enter odd territory um, with the Michigan offense versus, versus Ohio State defense. Yeah, I think uh, I think Illinois, I mean, you mentioned that they kind of are the same team as in Michigan, but they really kind of laid out a nice little blueprint on how you can stop Michigan is mm-hmm. play that tight man coverage, force JJ to beat you. This is, I mean, I know Michigan still came out with the win, but this was the first time Michigan has been in a situation where it's like, oh, shoot, we don't have Blake or Donovan. JJ, you have to win us this game. And I don't know if he necessarily did. I mean, I know he got him at least in field goal range. Moody was able to make some kicks. But I right now, if you're Michigan, I don't believe JJ McCarthy can win you a game yet. And this might be one of those games that he has to do that, actually. Yeah, he 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 missed the a bad layup that would have put the game away, I think. Yeah. Like the, the tight end throw. And I had the exact same throw right. for CJ Stroud completing it against Maryland like three hours later. So uh, you know, he he misses some bad throws. And if you're you know, if you're if you're Jim Knowles, you want to heat him up and make sure you wrap up on the first time instead of letting him kind of scramble around back there. Cause that's really the weakness of the Ohio State defense. Like if, if quarterbacks are able to survive that initial blitz, kind of run around a little bit like we saw Talia do, um, you could run into some issues. But I don't think JJ can beat uh, Ohio State with his arm. So it's going to have to be run game oriented. Mm. And you have any other uh, matchup or uh, stat you want to talk about before we get into some listener questions? Yeah. DJ Turner versus Marvin Harrison Jr. That is that is the one. That is the that, matchup. That is the matchup, but there's another matchup that I think will be very interesting. I want to hear Chris's thoughts on is who will make who do you believe is more clutch? No Ruggles or Moody? Do who do you believe in more to make that key clutch kick when it comes down to the end of the game? Because let's be honest, that might be what it comes down to. And mm-hmm. who do you believe in more that could be more clutch? Because we've never seen Ruggles hit beyond 47. Mm-hmm. We know Moody can. That's what scares me as a high safe fan. It's like Ruggles is great from 20 to 40 yards, but after that, it, he can be a wild card for that. Moody's a better kicker. Okay. Yeah. To me, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'd, no, I'd take no Moody if it comes down to kicking, yeah. but Moody, Moody's a better kicker. Noah has more swag. That's what it is. We so. have we have the best, you know, the best punters punter in the game. I believe mm-hmm. Jesse Merko is the best punter, but that's no, just he, my opinion. He, he no no Je- Jesse's nasty. I love Jesse too, but no, uh, I love them both. But Noah's Noah's not the same kicker as he is. So yeah. All right, listener questions, Josh. All right, so we'll start off with this one, Chris. Uh, the Heisman race has been kind of tight. Does an Ohio State win guarantee CJ the Heisman? And if Blake Corm plays, has a solid day, Michigan wins, does that guarantee the Heisman for him? Um, I think CJ Stroud is a lock to win the Heisman no matter what his numbers are if they win on Saturday. Um, I think if Corm goes over 150 or if Corm goes over 100 with two tutties and they win, he wins the Heisman. I think that's, I mean, I think that's how wide open it is at this point. <laughs> that is that was interesting. Yeah, we talked to David about this. He mentioned that, 
he kind of has a hard time going with CJ at Heisman, mostly because he's not having as good of a season as he did last year with all the touchdowns and the yards. Like he's having a worse season this year. But to me, I the thing about CJ too is when he's had his bad games, everyone else in the field has kind of had a bad game as well. Like we just seen a uh, Hendon mm-hmm. Hooker uh, struggle against South Carolina. He's injured now. Blake ends up going down. Still has a hundred yards, but um, nonetheless, uh, who else? May Drake May. May, yeah. Drake May finally uh, swagged out against Georgia Tech. So <laughs> My it's gosh. like, okay, every time CJ maybe hasn't had the best game, everyone else in the field has kind of been the same uh, situation, yeah. I guess. And then, I mean, even Bryce Young last year didn't necessarily run away with it. He just kind of won by default, I feel like. Yeah, he, I feel like CJ, CJ might be in the lead by default right now as well. Yeah, CJ's going to win it by default. I mean, last year CJ had a game where he, what, what was it, against Tulane or Tulsa or whatever, he threw for 136 yards and one touchdown, yeah. two picks, like something, something like that. And he was still the leader going into that final week. Um, it, it, I mean, because there's there's been no otherworldly performances out there and, and, you know, of the top, it's it's like it's like an MVP award. It's like, so usually like the best player on the best team wins it unless someone else is having like an astronomical season. So like Stetson Bennett like isn't going to win it. And he's like not the best David player David Cohn team. believe David Cohn believes Williams is his top runner right now. So that's why he believes that it could be the guy that pulls it out. But he also then did say, as I told you before the show started, that he also believes though it's gonna be really hard for the voters to vote for him because he does play on the West Coast and it's gonna be yeah. very hard for voters to vote for him when CJ Stroud is playing in every single primetime game. I watched Christian McCaffrey have the greatest season a running back has had in modern, you know, football. History. Yeah, I mean, set the uh, record for all-purpose yards, I believe. Exactly, and I don't think he finished top two in the Heisman, and they yeah. and that was a, and that was a good team. So I, I think the West is dead <laughs> in terms of the, the Heisman. West is dead. But I feel like if anyone from the West is going to win a Heisman, it's going to be somebody from USC, and we've seen that yeah, from that Reggie Bush sense. and yep. Matt Leiner. And the other right. thing about Caleb too, he's he's got his best games ahead of him. Like he just had the UCLA game. Now he's going to play Notre Dame, and then he's also probably going to play Oregon for that uh, Pac-12 championship. So he still has a couple games that he could uh, put himself, at least put together a better case. But even with like Hennon Hooker, he doesn't have like the total numbers, but he has the efficiency, was leading one of the highest scoring offenses in the country. But now that Tennessee's got two losses, that narrative's kind of dead. Drake yeah. May, I mean, big numbers, the freshman. Uh, he already didn't have an undefeated team, but I mean, bad loss to Georgia Tech, I think. I mean, you can't lose bad like that. And it was... Mm-hmm kind of on him a little bit too so I think that hurts his case a little bit uh Bo Nix I mean has a lot of total touchdowns Max Duggan's quarterback in a non-defeated TCU team so I think they might be kind of on the outside looking in and then Blake too I mean if he can finish uh with an undefeated season being around like the top five of rushing touchdowns and yards I think that's a case for him as well yeah the Heisman's about at least it's become about who can avoid the black eyes and it's yeah. like uh, like Hennon Hooker has the bat, the black eye delivered by Spencer Rattler. Like that, that's a bad black. Who eye. saw that coming, man? Yeah, Spencer it's, Rattler. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer, it's crazy. Like like Bo Nix has the black eye. Um, you, you know, like everyone has the black eye except for you know C.J. Stroud and Blake Corum at this point, and then Caleb Williams. I, I would say doesn't have the black eye because that that loss wasn't all on him, and he did play really well. You know, kind of since then. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think New York is going to be C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, and then um, either either Max or Blake, depending on how, if Blake plays this last week. Good mm. stuff. Uh, another question that we had uh, escapes me at the moment. Well, it was right uh, it was oh. basically if two if the if whoever wins this game does the loser depending on how things fall yeah. around does the loser also make the college football play? Can both can both of these teams still be in the playoff? Um, Michigan in a close loss would still be in Ohio State in a close loss would be trickier because they are the home team and the favorite. Um, mm. So I think I think I think it's shaping up. I think because of how Tennessee lost, 
I think yeah. that if Michigan loses close, they will be the number four team in the country. And if TCU wins out, they'll be the number three team in the country. The trickier thing happens um, if, you know, if LSU manages to beat. Right. That's what <laughs> that's, that's really the one up. thing I think that could keep this from happening because Tennessee now two losses, no conference championship game appearance. I'd say they're done. North Carolina now has two losses, potentially three if they can't get by Clemson. I'd say they're out of it. Clemson still kind of in it if they can win out, win that ACC. TCU still undefeated, USC. can win the Big 12. That USC still is in it, but I don't think that a two-loss Oregon or is going to get in if they end up winning it. So the field really did shrink this week, and I think the only thing that could keep both Ohio State and Michigan from both making it is if this game is more than two scores and if uh, LSU beats Georgia in that SEC championship game. Yeah, blow fashion eliminate somebody. So yeah, that's kind of that's hey, I agree, and I I think it's. I really believe that it would be awesome. And I said this, I said this to to one of my friends. I said, wouldn't it be cool if Ohio State went as, at two, Michigan at four, and the national title was the game 2.0? I mean, nuts. We, almost had, it, we almost had it in 06. That'd be super crazy to see. It would yeah. be awesome to watch. And it would be an amazing event. It'd be watching the Ohio State-Michigan game twice in the same year would be unreal and just be awesome. I, I would love it. I no, really I would. Too. Two pairs of gold pants. Want to get our lick back from last year. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Well, let's talk some score predictions, Ben. Oh, boy. So we'll give Chris ours first. We shared him with yep. David. I'm kind of – with Ohio State being the home team, I think that's going to ultimately be the factor here. I got Ohio State winning 37-34. to 34. I think that uh, both defenses will get their fair sh- stops. I think both kickers will get their fair share of field goals in this one. Uh, this is also assuming that at least Blake or Donovan play one of the two. So I got Ohio State winning 37-34. Ben has Ohio State winning by, by, by I believe, by a much larger margin. Yes, I have Ohio State winning 38-28, to 28, and I believe it's going to come down to, I believe, that fourth quarter. I think it's going to be a tight ball game throughout the first half. Uh, and even part of that third quarter, but I, I do think CJ Stroud ultimately will have to be that X factor. Him and Marvin Harrison, I think will have a big game. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that defense is going to come up big and I wouldn't be shocked. If you see a couple strip sacks or something at the end of that game that, that separates. So uh, I have a high state winning 38 to 28. I don't think Corm's going to play next week. Um, so if Corm and Edwards don't play, I have 48, 24. Oh, mm. a double up. I just, I just think they're, they're. I don't think they're. I don't think they're very good without those two. Um, and seeing Dominic Edwards in a cast, I know he said he could, he could have played if he, if you know, if they yeah, needed right. him. But they, they needed him. Like, like this, <laughs> they needed him, and he didn't yeah, go in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like this is one where we knew it was going to be a dogfight, and he didn't go. Um, so I, I think we, I think we double him up, um, especially after, after how last year went, and also like. I'm a believer that like Ryan Day becomes Thanos and get back games. Um, I saw him play call his call his very best game as a play caller against Clemson. Um, you know, in 2020, like like the get back game that shouldn't have been a blowout and was. So I I have a ton of respect for what Michigan's done this year. Um, I I I just I don't think they can do it. I mean, the way that Blake Corum went down and like the way he They're was holding his knee on and he dropped the ball yeah. and holding his knee. Yeah, like that's not a that's not a I took a shoulder pad to the knee injury. That's a like something tweaked out and it and it hurts really badly. And that's not a one week fix. Uh, so I got I got forty eight twenty four. I got a blowout. That is with your with your blowout win, Chris. Is it tied up twenty four twenty four going into the fourth? And Ohio State just has an explosive fourth. <laughs> Yeah, I think I do think it's one of those the, the games that Ohio State pulls away in the in the kind of the back like back half of the second of the third quarter, excuse me. 
I think I think it's one of those. I think it's like like Michigan can't keep pace. Well, kind of, yeah. kind of Even these are actually yeah. the two highest scoring second half teams in the country. So I think it's yeah. very important for neither team to fall behind too far in that first half. And mm-hmm. then I mean the second half is like you got to be on it. Well, Third Corey, Steph Curry. Even even <laughs> David even David was like he was like it was so shocking. You know, as a high state fan, you're down yesterday. You're only up three, and he goes he goes it's it's crazy. I look up and they're back up. They they win by double digits once again. And he goes this Ohio State team. David Cone even said like this Ohio State team. It can score in bunches and fast. And if you're Michigan, you cannot be behind the eight ball because Michigan, when they're their best, is when they're ahead of the game. They're yeah. up ahead because when they get behind, we haven't seen them, as David said. And I'm, can McCarthy win you a game when you have to throw the ball and you can't run the ball? I don't know. We do not know. We know Stroud can. can. We know Stroud yeah. can come from behind and, and make the Utah game and many other games that he's done that. No, I, I, I agree. And also, like, like Ohio State's shown they've been able to kind of weather quarterbacks playing out of their mind. Like now at this point, two quarterbacks have played out of their mind against Ohio State, like Talia and Sean Clifford. And it's been like, right. okay, like they, they've taken other teams' best shot from their best quarterback with better skill players and, you know, a, a more explosive mm-hmm. offense and been able to kind of respond and, and bounce back. So, you know, I, I, I think it'll be a really hard fought game, really, really toughness game. Um, but I just don't think Michigan's going to be able to bleed out many possessions because I think they're going to be down early. Um, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a tight game early. So that's, that's where I'm at. 40, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Go Bucks. <laughs> what would you say? I, I think before we before we finish up here, what would you say? Uh, we'll go around here. Your X factor for for Ohio State victory, since we all choose Ohio State. What is your X factor for the Ohio State victory? Uh, Chris, go ahead and start. Julian Fleming's hands. Mm-hmm. That's the X factor. <laughs> like Julian's hands. Like he's had he's had long touchdowns, like or chance chance at long touchdowns in every game this year if he just catches the ball. Yeah. So, Ju- Julian's hands. I mean, he I mean he could really be the one that blows this game open. And traditionally, Ohio State versus Michigan, there's been a freshman receiver that kind of blows the doors off of this. Remember Garrett Wilson um in what, twenty nineteen, like went went Super Saiyan. Obviously we know about Chris Olave went went absurd that year. Um, you know, J JSN had a presence even though even though it wasn't a, a you know freshman. And it's like can can a guy leave a mark on a game and it's gonna be Julian it's gonna have to be Julian Fleming um or Cameron Babb, which would be incredible for me, but I don't see it happening. So Josh, what about go- you? I'm going to go ahead and say that my X factors, I'll give you one on offense and defense for both sides. I'm going to go with Dallin Hayden just because now we've seen him do it against Maryland. Now let's see him do it against a really uh, tough run defense that Michigan's got. So I'm kind of going with it that, you know, CJ's a given, Marv's a given, Egbuka can be a given if they use him right. But Dallin Hayden, I mean, I like him better than Trey, like we said, but I don't know if he's necessarily the given. So I'm going to go with Dallin Hayden, X-Factor on offense, and I'm going to go ahead and say, after hearing Chris talk about that defense, Ronnie Hickman, X-Factor on the defense for Ohio State. Can he clog up those holes, be that guy that gets through that gap and stops whoever's running the ball for Michigan? Then on the Michigan side, I think it's obvious the X-Factor for Michigan has got to be J.J. McCarthy. He hasn't been put in a position where – he has to be the guy to win a game and win it. So we got to see that from him. We got to see him hit those, you know, those slant ruts. We got to see him hit the deep ball. We got to see him, uh, I guess, compensate for what could be lacking in the run game. And then on defense, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, what was the kid's name? Moore, the corner that's going to be covering Marv. Oh, DJ Turner. Turner. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DJ Turner. I'm going to go ahead and say he's the X factor. If you can take Marv out of the game or even holding like five catches, I think that's huge for Michigan's huge. defense. Huge. Yeah. I, I, I am. I have a few things here, but I think one for me, the X factor on defense for high state is cornerback number two. Who's going to step up? Who Who's going to be that guy? You know, we know Cameron Brown, what he can do when he, when he's healthy, he's one of the best corners out there. Who's going to be, is it Burke? 
Is it is it Jair? Is it is it um is it Hancock? Uh, I thought Hancock. Hancock was so bad. Yes. He was so bad. And, last two bad. Weeks. and this is my thing. This is my thing. You have to have a quarter number two because yeah, you can you might be able to shut down. We've seen it with the Browns this year, right? You shut down, you can it, it, and it's it's this way in football in general. You go after the weakest link, and we know that if you're gonna throw the ball, you're gonna go after the weakest link on the secondary. So my my X factor is whoever's that corner number two. We saw Denzel Denzel Burke last year. Will we ever see that again? I don't know. But what I do know is, is that we know that Knowles will will try the best he can to help out those corners if need be, guy over the top or whatever. Um, but that's my X factor for the defense. That corner number two needs to step up. My X factor on offense is who is playing at right guard. That's my X factor mm. because you know what's going to happen. If let's say it's it's Enoch or it's one of these backup guys, even Dwan Jones moves down or whatever, you know they're going to put their best defense tackle, who is? Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith, Smith, who that's what's going to happen. And so my thing is if, if, it's, if it's Enoch or if it's somebody else, are you willing to say, screw what I've been having to do with the second string? I'm going to just put everything I got here. I don't care if if I overrun or I get, you know, some of these, you know, I miss a block because I'm just over. Like, I would rather you overrun and just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my X factor on the offensive side of ball is who is going to be at right guard. And that is a very key thing. And then for Michigan, I think the big X factor really is. I think the offense and defensive line for Michigan, if they can control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, then I think this game could be a totally different mindset of what we what we think it's way it's going to go. Because let's say a high state's defense gets pushed back and they start getting six, seven, eight, nine yards of carry, then that starts opening up a lot of things that make it very yeah. scary for high state. Then my X factor, uh, my other X factor for Michigan would be their secondary. Can they keep up with Marv? Can they keep up with Ibuka? Can they keep up with Stover? Can they keep up with this? I mean, I can keep going on and on and on, right? If they can do that, and you can slow down Stroud, we've seen what happens when Stroud slowed down. You rely on the run game, which at times the run game hasn't been as reliable. It's been stifled, right? That's the thing. Will the secondary of Michigan show up? So those are my X factors. And I guess I throw an honorable mention to Noah Ruggles. Don't miss an extra point, and please make the short field goals if you can. Yeah, no blocks, please. (laughs) (laughs) That block was insane, man. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add to your point about corners. Yes. Can they can they tackle as well? Because last true. year Michigan yeah. ran at them a lot because Denzel Burke did not want to tackle. And that's a, that's gonna mm. be a big part. That is true. And um it, it is it is gonna be a heck of a game. And I think all of us, all of us sitting here, I know David as well, we're all gonna be tuned in. I think everyone around the country is gonna be tuned in. Heck, you have game day and you have and Fox Noon are both gonna be there, (laughs) which is crazy. It's gonna be a nuts atmosphere. I have friends going to the game. I, I can't wait to see it. I know for you guys listening, this is coming out, you know, early in the week here. Please let us know in your comments what's your score predictions. What do you think is going to happen? Give us some questions to talk about. I know Josh and I will brief it after uh, the game, obviously in the next week's episode. But first off, we want to say to Chris, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on and uh, joining us. I know Josh and I appreciate it anytime you come on. You've actually tied both my brother and uh, who else was it? Is it just my brother? Oh, and Bryce, right? Bryce got on a third yeah. time. Jared so got you, on a third time. Yeah. This is Chris's third so, time. So you've tied for the, you've tied for the uh, third to the, for the lead in most appearances on the uh, baseball. Tied podcast. for the lead. Well, I'm I'm ready to break the the record. Hey, I'm ready to we, I'm ready to take the lead. Hey, we will have you on anytime. You know that, my man. And uh, we appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time to just join us and and uh, hanging out with us. No, this is awesome. You know, I appreciate you, boys.
Hey, we, we love you, man. And, uh, make sure you guys check out all of the, uh, menace to sports, uh, menace. Yeah. Menace to sports. Yeah. I said that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but go ahead, uh, before we go, Chris, go ahead and drop every, let us know what's going on and, and where they can catch you guys. Oh yeah. Catch us on YouTube every single weekday live at 12, um, menace to sports. It's a YouTube channel. Zach and I do a show every single day. It's a little bit nuts. It's a little bit tough to do, um, but we're really excited to do it. And then also we'll probably put out like three or four extra pieces of content, whether that's on Twitter or Twitter's menace to sports, um, as well. So, so it's all pretty uniform and uh and yeah just kind of hanging out and, and talking rivalry stuff obviously it's really cool because zach's been a part of the rivalry himself and seen a lot of the, the madness um so yeah come check us out every single weekday at noon we're live but that episode does get uh, posted on spotify and on itunes hey it's awesome we can't wait to have you back so uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah thanks for stopping by josh any last final words for good old chris man yeah i love i always love talking to chris man he's like one of the guys he's like a He's got the fan takes. He's been to spaces, so he knows maybe a little bit more that uh, could be unofficial or official. But, yeah, always appreciate having you on, man, and what you bring to the table. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Josh. Hey, appreciate you, man. Hey, we will – everyone say, Everyone, just let us know who's better looking, Chris or Zach Smith? That's the question. <laughs> who's better looking? Let us know in the comments for sure. Uh, but, yeah, thank you so much, uh, Chris, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Yep, absolutely. Well, there you have it. Chris Drew has dropped some great knowledge and dropped the mic. You can get that from the joke that Josh said in that little interview, but uh, he <laughs> he dropped the mic with some great knowledge, some great insight. Obviously, him and uh, him and uh, Zach do a great job over there at Menace to Sports. Uh, you can check all their stuff out. I'm sure I've dropped it in the link below or wherever it goes. You guys know where to find them. Um, but we we really, I mean, I really enjoyed hearing from Chris and his perspective is always just so fascinating how he thinks and and goes through things. But uh, Josh, what do you think of uh, how you thought of uh, Chris? yeah i'm glad you brought up uh i guess the the way that michigan runs the football right like how they leave i guess that that one extra man free to come through if they want it hasn't been done yet so that was one nugget that i picked up from chris and just i guess doing a show with a former college football coach like zach smith also kind of helps him out a little bit of that so some of that rubs off on chris and we get a little bit of that action as well yeah you know it, it is it is quite fascinating and and i think um He's done a great, I think Chris did a great job of explaining like the little details that we kind of miss or the matchups that we kind of miss, um, the unknown facts that we kind of just oversee if we're a normal fan watching. And um, as much as we try to see everything, it seems like Chris has always seen everything and Zach always sees everything. So um, yeah. it was it was a great, it was awesome. I love Chris it. is not short of hot takes to and hills either to die on. I mean, who else in the comments like drop? In the comments, would you rather have Dallin Hayden or Travion Henderson as your running back these this I guess for the game and then yeah. like next season? Who would you rather have? That was shocking. I think that that rating really is messing with some people, man. Yeah, that would that and was we haven't seen enough that. of yeah. We haven't seen enough of Down Hayden, I guess, in meaningful games. So I guess we'll get that first taste at it. But I mean, I'm, Maryland was winning the game at half, were they not? And then Down yep. Hayden just explodes in the second half. They make that change, take Travion off the field, and you know, Down plays, you know, a big key in Ohio State's comeback victory. Yeah, it was a. Um... That was a very hot take, but I'm not surprised. It's Chris Drew. Um, but <laughs> no, we we really appreciate Chris coming on. And um, also, Josh, that I would note that uh, while we've been recording this, the uh, Browns lost again. Um, but you know that just seems to be a normal pattern for us. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I just thought I would throw that in passing. <laughs> but uh, if you would like to know our Heisman rankings, 
our power rankings. Just so you know, there's going to be a bone. Actually, like there's technically two guests on that this week. We're not dropping them here on the show. Head on over to our at baseline.podcast where you'll be able to see those. Um, there will it'll be Josh and I, as well as David and Chris, they will have dropped theirs with this as well. And you'll be able to check out and disagree, agree. You can comment, you can tell how bad mine is because it's usually mine's pretty much the same every week now uh but uh you can check those out and um yeah let, let us know what you thought your thoughts and anything like that um josh do you have any final thoughts for this great episode of the 66th episode of the baseline podcast yeah so this week uh, a lot of people are gathering with friends and family for thanksgiving yeah. maybe you guys are even listening to this episode uh with with some of those people as well right now. I want you, I'm going to steal this line from Josh Pate. I want you to steal your grandma's phone, your grandpa's phone, you know, your, your sister-in-law's phone, anyone's phone that you can and go to the baseline on YouTube, Apple podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, leave a rating, subscribe, boost our numbers, take advantage of this moment, help the baseline grow. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, but I'm, I like that line from Pate. I'm going to go ahead and ask our baseline following to do the same. Hey, I'm so down for that. I, Hey, I agree. Find, find those people that, you know, that you are around that encourage people to listen, like drop this episode. Like this is, this is our biggest episode production wise, um, putting together, getting two guests at the same time in the same frame and putting it all together. So please like it, this, this episode is really what we're trying to do, which is try to bring family friendly, friendly fun to sports and to talk about sports and just to have a great time, like a conversation, like you're at Thanksgiving. Um, so please go check us out. It'll be a, it'd be a great time. Um, if you're watching this video on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, notification bell. That way you'll see all the new episodes coming out, uh, and all the new, um, details we might be dropping, uh, maybe new clips and stuff that'll be on YouTube. And if you're listening to Spotify or Apple podcasts, make sure you're favoring it. Make sure you share it with your friends and family on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. And, uh, that way we can see, uh, what people are saying and, and commenting and everything like that. So once again, we want to say happy Thanksgiving from the baseline podcast. We hope you guys have a great time with family watching some football, watching some soccer. It's World Cup time. World Cup matches have already started. True. Um, True. So, yeah. So have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy Black Friday. Don't get trampled. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Until next time, we'll see ya.